we are going to continue this series, and we're calling it Thanksgiving, not just Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving implies kind of a one time we're going to sit down at the meal, say what we're thankful for, eat our turkey, watch our football, and be done with it. Uh, but that is not what we want to do through this month and these weeks that are heading up to Thanksgiving. Gratitude can change our lives, amen? It real gratitude for what God is really doing in our world and in our lives can really change the way we live. And that's what we're talking about. Last week we talked about that one of the greatest things that we have to be grateful for is one another. And we talked about that and I challenged you to act on that, to communicate that to one another. That as the Lord put on your heart people who have helped you grow and helped you come to the place that you are now to tell them. It's one thing to be grateful for people, but that gratitude has no power in their life. It has no power in our life unless we tell them, unless we speak it and express it. And so you guys did that phenomenally. Uh, you, you responded in worship that way, and I saw it all throughout the week. Uh, I encountered that, not just, not just in people coming to me, but watching you interact with one another. I saw that, and it, and it thrilled my heart. And so I hope today, um, as we look at another aspect of gratitude, I think something that um, is, is vitally important that maybe we don't necessarily always connect to gratitude, but I think that they are so connected to one another. I want to start off with a story, though. Some of you may not know who uh, Dr. George W. Truitt is. George Truitt was a pastor. He was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas from 1897 to 1934. And Dr. Truett served as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention from 1927 to 1929. So unless you're a Baptist history nerd, you probably don't know who he is. But uh, considered one of the most influential Baptist pastors of that era. There's a story of Dr. Truett um, visiting with a, with a local congregation who was struggling to raise money for a building effort. Uh, for their church that they needed. And they had a goal to raise $6,500. And so Dr. Truett was there speaking as a guest, and they had a commitment day where they were calling people uh, to pledge what they would give to the effort. And at the end of the day, they had a goal of $6,500. Now remember, this is the 1920s. This is not now. So that $6,500 in the mid-20s was a lot of money. At the end of the day, they had pledged... 3,000 of the 6,500, so not even coming halfway to their goal. And the story is that Dr. Truett, in in challenge to them, stood before them and said, do you expect me to give the other 3,500 that you need to reach your goal? (laughs) He was very bold, and he he challenged them and says, I'm just a guest here. Um, And he challenged them to step up, and as he was doing that, there was a little, little old lady named Jenny, a little senior adult lady who was sitting in the back. And she, she stood up in the back. And her husband, his name was Charlie. And Charlie was on the, up at the front of the church. And he was one of the men sitting at the table recording people's pledges as they would come and bring them and make them. And she stood up and she spoke across the room to her husband Charlie at the platform and said, Charlie, 
I'm wondering if you would be willing for us to give our little house. Because just yesterday someone offered us exactly $3,500 for our house. And if Jesus gave his life for us, couldn't, couldn't we make that kind of sacrifice for him? And Charlie, her husband on the, on the platform, replied to her and he said, You know, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking too. So he turned to Dr. Truitt and said, Dr. Truitt, as long, if there is a need for the additional $3,500, we will make a pledge uh, to give that. To sell our home and give it. Silence. Over the whole house. People were stunned. And shocked. Uh, and then randomly people began to cry. And they began to, to sob. Fifteen minutes earlier. Folks had given all they could give. Or so they thought. But then when they saw Jenny and Charlie and the way they responded to the need and the extravagant nature of it, the extreme sacrifice of what they were willing to do, the pledge list started to get bigger. People whose names all of a sudden weren't on the list showed up on the list and they began to say, well, I'll give and people who had already committed to give a certain amount began to come and say, well, I want to I increase my gift. And you know what happened? By the end of the day, the church had raised their $6,500 to meet their goal and to meet the need, and Charlie and Jenny didn't have to sell their house. But it was their generosity... It was their gratitude for what Jesus had done in their lives that prompted them to be willing to be generous beyond what was normal, beyond what was expected. And then that generosity birthed ge generosity in other people and ended up meeting the need. What is it that would make someone like Charlie and Jenny be willing to give up their entire house for, for a need like this. That $3,500 that they offered to pledge, I did the math and the equivalent of today would be, that would be about a $44,000 gift today. What would make somebody do that? I think the answer is gratitude. And you say, wow, well, there's, there's gratitude, but that's, that's extravagant. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. But I think you'll see that it makes sense. Gratitude and generosity are two things that I think are so tightly woven together, if we think about it, that it's difficult to separate them. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is where I want us to read this morning. And, and I want to kind of set this up for you as we read it. Uh, to give you a little bit, of, there's a lot of history, a lot of, a lot of background into this passage. But what's happening here, again, last week we read a portion of a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, to the Philippian church. 
this morning, 2 Corinthians, obviously, letter written to the church at Corinth, the, the Corinthian church there. And Paul, along his missionary journey, um, he was constantly on an effort to raise funds and offerings for the church back in Jerusalem. Because when we read in the book of Acts, you read how the church, uh, the church in Jerusalem was operating. Everyone uh, took, they didn't consider anything to be their own. They, they gathered all of their money, all their possessions, pulled them together, shared with each other what, according to whoever had need. And then they were not only taking care of each other within the church, but they were also reaching out outside into culture, into, in, into society, and they, were, and they were helping the poor. They were meeting the needs of people. And so because of that, there was great need in Jerusalem. And Paul, as he went to the churches in Asia Minor, went to the churches in Europe, he would tell them about the churches in Jerusalem. And he was, he was taking what, what's been known as the Jerusalem Collection, a, an, a love offering that he was collecting from the churches for the Jerusalem church. And so as he's writing to the Corinthians here in regards to their role and, and the part they are playing in giving to this offering, he's also talking to the Corinthians about his experience with the other churches, the churches in, in, in the area of Macedonia, which actually the Philippian church, who he was writing to last week that we read, was one of these churches in, in this region of Macedonia. So... Let's read what he has to say, and then, and then I, want to sh- I want us to see uh, what characteristics we can pull from this that are, that's going to help us make this connection in our mind between uh, the gratitude we have and the generosity that we show. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Paul writes to them and says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability, of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace, talking about the offering. I'm not saying this as a command, rather, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians, encouraging them to be a part of this this collection effort. And he's using the churches in Macedonia as an example. And he's saying, "I, I want you to know 
what has happened. I, I, because remember, they don't have Facebook. They don't get to see online, you know, live online streams of what's happening in these other churches. And so Paul is writing to them saying, I want you to know what's, what has happened in Macedonia. And I want what has happened there to, to rise up in you, to spur generosity in you. In, in the way that you give and meet the needs of the church. Not, not just here, but back in Jerusalem. And there's something real important that he says in verse 1. That, that makes that connection that we're looking for. Look at, at, at verse 1 in chapter 8. He says, We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. The grace of God. Here's the connection. Gratitude in the believer comes from the grace of God. Right? Would you agree? Yeah. Y'all awake with me this morning? Gratitude in us will come out of us in the form of generosity. But where does that gratitude come from? That gratitude comes from the grace of God. He says, I want you, talking to the Corinthians... To know about the grace of God that was given to the churches in Macedonia. I want you to hear their testimony. I want you to see the gratitude that flowed out of them because of the grace of God in their life. And then look at verse 9. We skip to the end. He talks and then we skip to the end of verse 9. He says to the Corinthians, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. There was something that these churches had in common. And it was, it was the grace of our Lord Jesus. It was the fact that they had experienced, had heard the gospel, responded to it, and they had experienced the grace of God in their lives. The, the, the churches in Macedonia had. And Paul says, I'm writing to use the Corinthians. You guys know what it feels like to experience the grace of God the same way they have. And so there's a, there's a connection there. We are connected to other families, other groups, other churches in this community, in this country, all over the world. We're connected by that same grace. That same grace that Jesus provides on the cross. When we surrender to it, we are all participants in that same grace. So because the churches in Macedonia knew the grace of God in their lives, it resulted in this desire for generosity. Not just within the church, but outside of the church. And I want you to see what was the nature of this. Again, Paul, I, I, I hope you all are tracking with me. He's telling the Corinthians about what the, the churches in Macedonia have done. Look at verse 2. See how he describes this gratitude that is coming out of the Macedonians in this form of generosity. Verse 2, he says, During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now there's a math equation in that verse. If you, if you see, if you recognize it. 
He says their abundant joy and their what? Extreme poverty. So abundant joy plus extreme poverty equaled what? Extreme or a wealth of generosity. So there's a, there's, that, there it is. That's, that's the math of, of giving in the kingdom. Abundant joy plus extreme poverty equals a wealth of generosity. You say, well, those numbers don't add up. You're right, they don't. Because that number in the middle would be a big fat zero. Abundant joy and extreme poverty equaled a wealth of generosity. How does that happen? Well, that kind of stuff only happens in the kingdom. <laughs> how, can, how can God take poverty and, 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 and create overwhelming generosity out of it? Well, it's that abundant joy that's added to it. Um, this is not normal. This, this, is, this kind of giving on the part of the churches in Macedonia is what I, I would call a grace-induced generosity. This is not normal kind of generosity. This is not um, what the Macedonians were doing. It's not, oh, we have tons and tons left over over here. Let's just, let's just give what we have of that. Paul says, no, that's not what they were doing up there. They were giving when they didn't have anything. But they had such joy in their desire to give, even when they didn't have anything, that God took what they had with that joy and it turned into something incredible. It turned into a generosity that was wealthy and huge. Look at verse 3. Paul says, I can testify that according to their ability and even what? Beyond their ability. Of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. Now there's a lot that characterizes the Macedonians in those two verses. He says, I can testify that according to their ability, which means they did have some, we all have ability to, to give something. But Paul says, according to their ability and even beyond their ability, which means they gave more than they really had to give. And then he says, of their own accord, which means nobody... Gave them a speech. Paul didn't have to go and do a big capital fundraising effort and convince them that they needed to give to the churches in Jerusalem. They heard about the need and they wanted to meet it. And look at verse 4. He says, they begged us earnestly for the what? Privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints. This grace-induced gratitude is like a hunger. It's like a, a deep desire that doesn't have to be dragged out of us. Most of the time when we're asked to be generous to people, whether it's our money or our time or our resources or any of those things, that's where we get the phrase tight. <laughs> we tighten up, right? We don't, we don't, we don't want to give. But, but the gratitude that comes from the grace of God in our lives 
isn't tight. It's, it, it, it doesn't close off. It's almost like what, what Paul is describing here is like a, a, a generosity that's like an animal that's, that's clawing to get out of its cage. It's like when, you're, when your dogs or cats at the... I don't know that cats do that because I don't even like cats. But dogs will like go to the door and like are scratching and pawing at the door. Like, let me out. I want to get out of here. It's like this generosity in the Macedonians. He says, they came and begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing. He said, they, they had a little bit, but they wanted to give not just what they had, but they, they wanted to give out of what they didn't have. And they, were so, they came begging us to be a part of it. That's not normal. And you may say, well, Eric, how come I don't feel that way? How come, how come I tend to be real guarded with the things that I give? And, 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 and again, these examples is a lot about money. This isn't a money sermon, okay? Make it real clear. This is a, a generosity message. Now you may want to, it, may, it may be that God wants you to be generous with your money, and if so, that's great. But there are other things that he may be calling you to be generous with. All the Macedonians needed to, to hear was the opportunity. Like, oh, what, what happened was, when, when Paul comes around and he tells them about the need in Jerusalem, all, that's all they had to hear. And they're like, tell us, what, what, what can we do? Like, we want to we go above and beyond... Because we have experienced such grace in our lives because of what the Lord has done for us. We are compelled, we are, we are drawn to want to give extravagantly to meet the needs of the other believers. They just had to hear that there was an opportunity. Isn't it funny how sometimes we hear of opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and... And sometimes we just don't want to respond. And it may, be, it, it, it may not even be with money. It may be with time. It may be with service. Um, there are lots of opportunities even, even here um, to do things. To be a part of ministries. To be involved inside this church. To be involved outside this church. Opportunity after opportunity. And the way the Macedonians responded is like, how can we not... Be generous with what we have because of how generous God has been to us. So grace leads us to generosity. It leads us to gratitude and that gratitude produces generosity. But there's another really important thing that Paul says here in this description of the Macedonians. In verse 5, look at it. And not just as we had hoped... Instead, they gave themselves first to what? To the Lord. And then to us. By God's will. Grace will lead us to be generous. And and real grace-induced generosity will lead us to give. But before we can give our money for the glory of the kingdom, before we can give our resources, our time, or our talents to other people... For the kingdom, we have to give ourselves to God first. And if you've not completely given yourself over to him in response to what he's done for you, then you're going to have trouble 
experiencing that generosity that he's talking about here. Remember this, God's grace produces gratitude in us and gratitude in us comes out as generosity to others. It just does. There is an undeniable connection between all three of these things in the life of a believer. They're like dominoes. You know, when you line dominoes up and one falls and it triggers the next one. And that one falls and triggers the next one. That's kind of what he's describing here. That the grace of God in my life triggers gratitude. And that gratitude in my life triggers generosity to other people. I can remember this when I was a kid, when I was a teenager growing up, and we would go to camp every year. We went to Super Wow, and some of you guys know Super Wow. And I remember being at camp as a young middle schooler, like sixth grade maybe, and uh, I was weird, as most sixth grade middle schoolers are. And, um, and I remember really struggling with the security of my faith, and, and that age, that's not uncommon. And I remember responding to an invitation that was given at camp. I, I, I went forward, and, and they led us to a room where we could be counseled, and my pastor was at camp with us. And I got to sit down with him, and I asked him questions, and he answered them, and we shared together, and he showed me things in God's Word that helped me understand and, and, and really just solidified the security of, of my faith. And I had that moment, and... I remember just the excitement and the gratitude that I had. Like, like, wow. And I remember walking out of that room, and as corny as this sounds, we, we came out, and you know, how, you know how you do at camp, like when you got two or three kids that are talking to somebody and the rest of the group's just kind of hanging out in the lobby and they're waiting. So they're waiting, and I come out, and, and I share with everybody kind of what my experience was. And, and then I, I, I don't know what it was, but they had an ice cream shop in the lobby set up. And I, I wanted some ice cream. But for some reason, I didn't want to get ice cream without getting everybody else ice cream. I was so, this is, sounds so weird. But I was so excited about what the Lord had done in my life that night. That the, the best way this weird little sixth grader could think of to... to to respond to what God had done was to go to every kid in my youth group and go, you want ice cream? You want some ice cream? I'm going to get some ice cream. Do you want some ice cream? Do you want some? I'll get you one too. Do you want, hey, all y'all, everybody, anybody, I don't remember saying, anybody that wants ice cream, come with me and I'll buy you ice cream. Because I was the kid that didn't, you know, some kids when they go to camp, they, you give them, you give them 50 bucks and the first time you stop to get gas at a gas station, they spend $48 on pixie sticks in the, in, the, in the gas station, and so they don't have any money left. I wasn't that kid. I was the one who would, like, overthink. Like, I'll look at everything 10,000 times before I decide what I want to buy. And, but, but that night, it was like, I didn't care. I was so, I just I remember this joy that came out of me. And for some reason, it came out in, let me buy everybody ice cream. But it was a, I, I remember this joy that resulted in, I just felt this generosity with what little bit I had. It wasn't a big deal. Like, I'll buy you a dollar ice cream, cup of ice cream. It's not huge. But I wanted to do that so bad. 
And it was because of this joy that I had felt. And I kept thinking about that moment, as random as that is, when I'm reading this. Like, shouldn't we as believers be so overwhelmed at how good the grace of God is in our life that that we should just be compelled and waiting and looking for every opportunity to share what we have, to be generous with what we have. Not just, not just with, with what we have, but even what we don't have. There's all kinds of examples of this in the scriptures. Luke chapter 7 If you remember the story of Simon the Pharisee, he's having a dinner party at his house and he invites Jesus to come. And as they're having their meal there, this woman breaks into the room. And you know the story. She comes in because she wants to show her gratitude to Jesus for what he had done for the forgiveness and the grace that he had brought into her life. And she comes in with this jar made of alabaster that was full of of this ointment, this perfume. And it would have cost her probably at least a year's wages to pay for something like that. Now think about how much money you make in a year. Put that all in one thing that that you're going to take and give to Jesus. I mean, it's it's Charlie and Jenny. it's It's that kind of story. And she comes in and she she pours this out for Jesus and and, and sacrifices so much. And and Simon the Pharisee questions it in his mind, and Jesus knows this, and he he speaks to Simon. Look at what he says in chapter 7, verse 47. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. He said the reason she's being so crazy abnormally generous is because of all the sin that has been forgiven her, all the grace that she's received in her life. And then he says, but the one who is forgiven little loves little. I think sometimes the people that we see who are the most generous are also the people who are the most grateful. And maybe that also means, according to what Jesus says, the ones who are forgiven little love little. Maybe when there's a lack of gratitude or a lack of generosity in our life, it also reflects a lack of gratitude in our heart. But that's an example. We remember Zacchaeus, right? Later on, Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus encounters Jesus again, encounters Jesus' grace, his forgiveness. And listen to how Zacchaeus responds. Again, grace, gratitude in Zacchaeus, and this is what it produces. Verse 8 in Luke 19. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Y'all, that's not normal. This is the stingiest, most dishonest swindler of money, of a tax collector that anybody in that city knew. 
He was awful. But now all of a sudden he encounters the grace of Jesus. And there's this crazy gratitude that is birthed in him. And it comes out in this abnormal, weird, over-the-top generosity. Because he says, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. He's a tax collector. He had it made. He says, I'll give half of everything I have to the poor. That was one thing. And then he says, on top of that, if there's people that I've cheated out of money, which we know he did because that's just what tax collectors did. He said, anybody that I've cheated out of money, I'll not only pay them back every penny that I took from them, but I'll multiply it by four and then give it back to them. That's, that's not normal. Like, you think about that. If he takes half of what he has and gives that away and then pays back four times everything he swindled from people, uh, that's a pretty big chunk. That's a sacrificial gift. That's so not normal. That's the kind of stuff that, that the world looks at, that kind of generosity, and goes, where does that come from? Nobody does that. That's the point. That's the whole point. It's not normal. The point is, it's not supposed to be normal. <laughs> the point is that when, when you've experienced the grace of God in your life that is so not normal, not deserved, not like any other grace you will experience from any other person ever, it should create a gratitude in you that is not normal. And that gratitude is going to reflect in a generosity that comes out of you that's also not normal. And when the world sees this crazy, abnormal generosity and goes, where does that come from? Guess who? Here's another point. Abnormal or unusual generosity will point others to amazing grace. We talk about grace all the time, and we sing about grace and how amazing it is, but maybe the world doesn't see that it's that amazing because they don't see anything that unusual coming out of us. And they would ask the question, what's so amazing about this grace you're talking about? But in the lives of these people, grace was so amazing that it changed their perspective of everything. And so grace was amazing. Gratitude for amazing grace was amazing. And then it came out in this amazing generosity that the world looked at and, and goes, that, who does that? That's not normal. How, how can you do that and be happy about it? Because of Jesus. And, and all these examples do have to do with, with money. And like I said, this is not a money sermon. This is a gratitude sermon. But I will say this, that Jesus, I mean, he said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your what? Heart is also. So I think the way we feel about our money, the way we feel about our resources reflect the way we feel about God. But it's so much not a matter of, of numbers, of, of how much. 
that we're talking about here, generosity, because God is, is spurring us to, to generosity. It, it, it's about the sacrifice. It's not about the number. Because another example is in Mark chapter 12. When Jesus and the disciples were at the temple and they were seeing people bring their, their, their offering to the temple and there were these religious Pharisees who were coming and bringing big gifts, big amounts of money so that they could be seen. And then there was a small widow who came. And you remember the story. She had two little coins, two little mites. That's all she had. Everything she had, but she came and put it in the temple collection. And Jesus sees it. And, and look in Mark chapter 12, in verse 43. It's how Jesus responds to that. He, he, he's not impressed with these big amounts of money that people are giving out of their excess. But he says, summoning his disciples, he said to them. And I love that phrase, summoning. You know what that means? That means that he spots this lady, give this gift... And he goes, hey, you guys got to come here. <laughs> you guys, stop whatever you're doing. Whatever y'all are talking about, whatever you're doing over there, you stop, come over here. Because here's a teachable moment. You can't miss this. Get over here. I got to show you something. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. All the others. Verse 44, for they all gave out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. Grace produces gratitude. Gratitude creates generosity that's not normal. And there's a lot of generous people in the world. I mean, we see philanthropists and billionaires all over the place who give millions and millions to, to needs. And there are people who are very generous, but there are generous people in the world who have no idea who Jesus is and have never encountered the grace of God. So you can be generous and not know grace, but I don't know that we can know grace and not be generous. If we are a grace-filled people, we have to be a grateful people. And if we are going to be a grateful people, then that has to come out of us as a generous people. 